Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCube. We're going to list what is the show. It is one in which I pour forth all the media I have consumed into the, the, the wires and ones and zeros, maybe the odd two that make up the internet. Is there a two in there somewhere? Or how about this? Someone adds a two to the ones and zeros and then the internet explodes. So, you know, beware of twos. Uh, Okay. Uh, What I do is push a button and then that'll start a segment in which I will talk about a various form of media. For example... Okay, so I push a couple of buttons at once by mistake. Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Norbit. Thank you for that sponsorship. I should say, or should have said, rather, at the top of every show, that the possibility exists that you may not have consumed some of this media yourself. And I don't want to spoil it for you, so I warn of that possibility. A sort of... I don't know if I've coined this term. A spoiler warning is what I'm... what I've deigned to call it. Movie the first, Norbit. Oh my god, why? Why have I done this to myself? Uh, yeah, this is a... You know, everyone's probably heard of Norbit. I think when it came out, it was sort of panned as the worst movie of all time. And after watching, I could see why that is the case. It is bad. Is it so bad? It's good? Sometimes. Sometimes it is. Yeah. Um, it's just, a, let me just read the IMDA. We'll see if that'll shed any light on this monstrosity. A mild-mannered guy... A mild-mannered guy who is married to a monstrous woman meets the woman of his dreams and schemes to find the way to be with her. That is a awkward, poorly written description of a awkward, poorly written movie. Oh, well. So, it is apt. It is apt. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Norbit from uh, 2007, um, you are lucky. Uh, stars Eddie Murphy as the titular Norbit, also uh, as uh, his wife, the, the fat one, hmm, Rasputia. Is that a play on Rasputin? Is that what we're assuming? I guess. And also as the incredibly racist Mr. Wong. Uh, so, so... The bad guy is Cuba Gooding Jr., <laughs> what the fuck? And I guess Terry Crews also. He's a he's a bad guy. There, there there's some bad guys in it. Um, 
there is a very long puppet scene. A very long puppet scene. Uh, this music movie is one hour and 42 minutes long, and I feel like the possibility exists that they could have made this a half-hour television episode of a show, I guess, probably called Norbit. Uh, Rating-wise, geez, what do I give it? Because there was moments... Let, let me ask you this. Let me, let me posit this to you, the listener. The one who is listening to this. The one person who listens to these episodes. Whoever you are. You weirdo and I love you. Um, does... Oh shit, I sort of went... I lost my train of thought there. Uh, oh, okay, so... If you get enjoyment from a bad movie by making fun of it... The whole time that you're watching it... Should that make your rating higher than if it's bad to a degree where you don't get as much joy making fun of it. Huh? Question. That is a question. Um, with that said, I think I'll just go with... Jeez, can I give it a three? Because three, if you're unfamiliar with my scale, three is enjoyed while watching but wouldn't watch again. And I did have quote-unquote enjoyment while watching because it was fun to make fun of this ridiculous thing... Uh, so I, I'm going to throw a question mark. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever given a question mark rating. Probably have. I've done a lot of weird ratings over the years. So this is going to go question mark rating. Uh, now one thing I do want to mention somehow, some way the missus who I watched this with, who I talked into watching this, um, gives it a 4.5 out of five. <laughs> Unironically, I hope not. But a little bit, but I, I, yeah, she, yeah, what I should have done, which I, I am kicking myself, not literally because I don't know how I would do that. I suppose I could just like kick my shin. Yeah. Okay. Uh, kicking myself that I didn't like get a little recording of uh, why she liked it as much as she did. She likes, uh, and, and don't we all from time to time, uh, the, the dumb turn your brain off fart humor, uh, which this movie has in spades you might say. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, I'm also <clears throat> going to put a link in the episode description to a scene. Uh, it's one of the last scenes of the movie in which Rasputia, um, is, <laughs> I don't even know how to explain this. Uh, she's hit in the, in the butt by a harpoon and then runs around in like super fast forward speed like a cartoon and i need someone to explain why and how this happens in this movie and 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 there'll be a link to what i'm saying in the episode description wow norbit norbit moving on to movie the second an actual movie tribes of the moon colon the making of nightbreed this is a retrospective documentary on the making of the horror slash fantasy creature feature Nightbreed. Uh, uh, this was filmed in 2014, and I think I had, how to, yeah, yeah, I, I, I've heard of Nightbreed. It's a, a Clive Barker film uh, who did uh, Hellraiser. Uh, he, he did some some weird and interesting movies, of which this was one. Uh, but I, don't, I had never seen it before. So, uh, spoiler alert for the next movie I'm going to be talking about, uh, Nightbreed. Maybe I should have done these. <laughs> and I actually 
did these probably in the opposite way. I, I watched the making of Nightbreed, and then I watched Nightbreed. Uh, yeah, that's maybe not smart. Um, so it's sort of like a very interesting thing seemed to, uh, I don't know if this is unusual or something that occasionally happens on sets of movies where a, a sort of like family like feel develops almost like a, a kind of a hippy dippy uh, uh love among uh, building this art sort of thing and say what you will about the movie Nightbreed um, it, a lot of beautiful uh, interesting freakish to behold scenes uh, artistic is for sure a word you could use to describe the visuals of Nightbreed um, maybe I'm just sort of combining yeah let's let's combine Nightbreed from 1990 let me read that Imda. A troubled young man is drawn to a mythical place called Midian, where a variety of friendly monsters are hiding from humanity. Meanwhile, a, a sadistic serial killer is looking for a patsy. Uh, okay, so I should mention on that note, uh, and, and this is probably why the making of Nightbreed movie exists, um, uh, Clive Barker, uh, the people who filmed this movie, set out with... Uh, a, a sort of story in mind, but then I guess editors and, you know, corporations and the man got hold of it and really twisted it to something sort of completely different, made it a lot more sort of B-movie than this sort of strange artistic type of movie. So there's two versions of the movie Nightbreed. There's the, uh, the, the one that was released uh, way back when, in 1990, I guess it was. And then there's the director's cut, which is what I watched. Because after watching... Okay, maybe I did watch these in the right order. Because after watching uh, Tribes of the Moon, uh, I, I realized that uh, the movie they were describing uh, sounded much more interesting than the sort of uh, schlocky, I suppose you could say, sort of B-movie uh, slash fest that was uh, re released originally. Uh, okay, so rating-wise, Tribes of the Moon, Making of Nightbreed, a uh, very, very good documentary. I th can I go 5 out of 5? I'll go 4.79. Yeah. Uh, and then Nightbreed itself, uh, the director's cut, really should specify that, because it sounds like they're two very, very different movies. I should do. Nah, I probably won't. But uh, I could potentially watch the original non-director's cut once. A uh, professional might do that. I am not, so I won't. Um... Nightbreed Director's Cut, uh, I actually liked it less than the documentary, so I'll just go 3.1. 3.1 for Nightbreed. Uh, final film from 1988, Poltergeist 3. Ah. Uh, if you listen to the episodes where I talked Poltergeist 1 and 2, uh, I sort of mentioned that the missus and I remembered scenes from this. And when those scenes didn't happen in Poltergeist 2, we're like, what? I, I thought I remembered there was like this and this and this. Uh, and then we realized that there was still one movie we hadn't watched because I, it was weird. I thought there was only two, but uh, yeah, there is three. Carol Ann. That's the uh, little girl. They're here. That one. Carol Ann is staying with her aunt. Aunt? Aunt. Uh, that's, I don't know why I said aunt in IRL. I say aunt. Carol Ann is staying with her aunt in a high-rise building where supernatural forces haunting her make their return. Oh. Uh, Tom Skerritt. Hey, eh? you got Tom Skerritt in this. 
So that's something. Nancy Allen might not recognize the name, but uh, I think we'll recognize Laura Flynn Boyle. Who was she in this? Who's Laura Flynn Boyle? Oh, yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah, uh, Poltergeist 3. If you've seen other Poltergeist movies, this is another of them. Whew, ringing endorsement. Uh, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> like, it's not scary, but it's it's more interesting. You know what uh, it reminded us of? Uh, uh, and I, I guess the movie Mirrors. Oh, you know what? Who was in Mirrors? Uh, the missus said it was... Somebody, I thought it was Kevin Bacon, but she said it was... Let's see. Mirrors from 2008. Starring Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, that's weird. Uh, the movie Mirrors with Kiefer Sutherland. For some reason, I had replaced him in my mind with uh, uh, whoever I just said. <laughs> what? Oh, now, I, now I can't get it out of my... Okay, so this is quickly falling apart, this segment. So I should probably push your button after rating the movie poltergeist three yeah you know what i'm gonna go for I, I i really like this one um it's sort of a, a crazy uh, uh mirrors stuff that they do in this which I, I i feel like things in this movie that happened in mirrors you will see happened in mirrors in horror movies to this very day hmm, how about that all right let's push another button here i'll try to only push one this time Television talk. Today's television talk sponsor is Chicote the Little Minx. Thank you for that sponsorship. We're talking Star Trek Voyager Season 7, Episode 11. Uh, the title of the episode is called Shattered. Uh, yeah, uh, I've done this a couple of times now that uh, the Mrs. and I have worked our way through Voyager. Voyager. Voyager um it's geez when did we start uh, i wonder how long it took us uh I, I didn't actually pay attention to that at all so i have no idea um but we're in the final season the final stretch uh and, and i've been waiting for this episode because i don't know if it's my might be my favorite episode yeah uh, just like off the top of my head year of hell uh that, that's a two-parter though um okay let's say year of hell probably my favorite this is my uh, favorite one-parter huh there you go um anything with time anything where time is related uh the missus hates the time ones usually uh, this one she liked a bit and i think because uh it, it's a lot more oh, i was just gonna say it's a lot more simple and realize that's kind of insulting <laughs> but uh quite often the time ones you know uh, if you're not used to watching time travel related things with paradoxes and and how the and stuff like that sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around it and that's why i like these because you really got to think in different ways that you're not used to uh non-linearly which I knew was a word I was going to have trouble with, which is why I said it slowly. Um, whereas this one, uh, it's a little more straightforward in that the episode uh, takes place on the ship. However, different sections of the ship uh, are taking place in different times. Uh, so, for example, you'll go to... Uh, engineering and it will be when the Kazon took over the ship you know uh, five years ago uh, you'll go uh, 
uh, you go under the bridge and it was before they were even pulled into the Delta Quadrant. Uh, so, so every sort of section of the ship is existing in a different time in Voyager's history, which is very, very cool. And, and that's really all you need to know. Like, it, it, it's not necessarily time travel. Uh, other than you're just walking, <laughs> that is the travel uh, needed in order to travel through time, which is interesting. And uh, Chakotay, uh, at least at first, is the only one who, through a sort of classic, uh, almost, uh, what the hell is that, body switching one. Uh, he's struck by lightning, uh, so he's the only one who can travel through these different sections. Uh, if other people do, they sort of disappear. Uh, interesting idea. Um, until eventually he... Uh, uh, excuse me, with the doctor's help, uh, inoculates Janeway so she can come with him. That's cool as well because the Janeway that helps him is uh, the one from before that they even traveled to the Delta Quadrant, so she knows nothing of what's going on. Uh, and then there's some, uh, there's even a section, uh, Astrometrics is in the future, uh, which is sort of interesting because, well, I could give a big spoiler here. I guess it's not much of a spoiler. And plus, when did this 2001? So, and if you haven't watched Star Trek Voyager, uh, you've had, you know, 19 years. Was my math right? I don't know. Um, eventually, they make it home. Oh, no. Spoiler alert. Of course they make it home. Duh, even. So, the scene where it's in the future makes it seem like uh, they hadn't made it home. I, I, I guess that's... Well, I'll just say that in Astrometrics, we meet up with people who in the present are like kids and we see them as adults. Um, but then we, but then you have to sort of do the math that if they're still in the ship, does that mean they're still in the Delta Quadrant or did they just so happen to, you know, join Starfleet and then come back to the ship? That seems a little odd. Uh, anyways, uh, rating wise five out of five, I, I only bring episodes that I really, really love. Uh, and this is definitely one of my favorites. So that is what has happened here. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know that we decimal system? Book banter. Today's book banter sponsor is Godhood Installations. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, if you're uh, following along, I'm flying through the Dragonlance Legends uh, uh, series, which is uh, one of the innumerable Dragonlance books that I've read during this whole quarantine thing. Uh, this is Test of the Twins, of course, by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Yes. Defying the fate that claimed his evil predecessor, Raceland opens the portal to the abyss and passes through. Well, hey, that's a cool sentence right there. That sentence I just read in the Goodreads description. You know, sign me up already. With uh, Chrysania at his side, he engages the Queen of Darkness in a battle for the ultimate prize, a seat among the gods. That is not 100% accurate, uh, I will say. Does he battle the Queen of Darkness? He may, but okay, there's a sort of knock against this book. There's, and I've heard this complaint before of Dragonlance, um, which I never really realized until I, <laughs> because I'm dumb, I never really realized this until I sort of heard someone else say it. So this is not an original thought, I will preface, that sometimes in Dragonlance books, cool things happen uh, uh, that are not written about. We'll hear about them. 
for example, this battle with the Queen of Darkness, uh, but we won't actually witness them. Um, I suppose there's sort of a, a mental battle between uh, uh, Raistlin and the Queen, if, if you sort of stretch your imagination to consider that. Uh, but there's not an actual, you know, flinging magics and uh, maybe because, like, what would they do? What would a god and someone potentially powerful enough to defeat a god what would that battle look like it's almost like uh, and a lot of these times these things come back to D D for me um people uh sometimes and i had a friend mention this as well once actually uh, i think it would be a cool idea to you know create two level 20 super powerful uh D characters and then have them battle one another um cool you know sounding on paper which is where your characters are. Huh. Uh, but it, it just sort of drags on and on and on. And uh, eventually you're just rolling dice and, and just back and the back and forth gets sort of monotonous as it goes on and on. Maybe potentially because this is so closely related to that, to extremely high level quote unquote characters, uh, it, it would sort of, you know, devolve into that as well. Hmm. That's a thought that I have said. Uh, at the same time, Karamon and Tasselhoff are transported to the future. There they come to understand the consequences of Raysun's quest. And Karaman at Karamon, goddamn fantasy names, at last realizes the painful sacrifice he must make to prevent his brother's success. Old friends and strange allies come together to aid him, but Karamon must take the last great step alone. Uh, yeah, a great end to this trilogy. Um, there, there's the time in the abyss, I, I think could have maybe on both sides on both the, the battle with the queen of darkness and, uh, Karaman going there could have been used to better effect. I, I, I think I'll give this a four and maybe even change out of five. Like I still loved it. It's just a, maybe there was a little disappointment of, you know, all this build up to the, the abyss, which is a the kind of hellish landscape, which uh, we find ourselves in, which uh, didn't feel like it was fully taken advantage of. Um, I don't know. That's just one man's opinion. Regardless, highly, highly recommend Dragonlance uh uh legends the trilogy I, I believe it's just a trilogy right yep there's not like a yeah it is a trilogy trilogy as a whole easy 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 five out of five potentially six out of five loved it so much pushing another button Today's game, Gabin sponsor is the Doomslayer Hematologist Academy. Thank you for your sponsorship. Today I'm talking Doom Eternal oh, from 2020. Yeah, brand new game, uh, <laughs> which doesn't happen too often on this podcast. Quite often, I'm I'm uh, probably what you could sort of categorize as a, a wait until the price of a game goes down purchaser of games. Uh, occasionally, I will uh, not do that. In fact, I think I actually did buy this on sale. Uh, I, I think it was like a, a newly released... Sometimes on Steam, when a game is newly released, it'll, it'll come out with a little bit of a discount, which I think this did. Um, 
it's a good game. <laughs> uh, I, I forget. Again, professional might have done something like this. I could have looked what I gave the first one, which I don't remember, uh, and, and see how it compares to this. I have a feeling I'm going to rate this one a little lower than the first one, just because it's more of the same, which is not always a bad thing. And in this case, it's not a bad thing. It's just, you know, it is more of the same, which... It's more of the same amazing thing uh rating wise I'll, I'll go a solid solid four some some very cool five moments even when when you get that sort of sense of scope speaking of the abyss actually imagine that instead of the doom slayer that uh, you are playing as uh you play as a uh, caramon uh, having to travel to the abyss in order to stop his brother from overthrowing a, a god and then replace all of that story with uh, 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 whatever this guy is doing. Traveling to hellish places and destroying demons to protect the earth with his giant guns and such. Now guns, that's where this uh, game does excel. Uh, the variety and customization to them done very well. Uh, not as, you know, Borderlands, hard to come, hard to compete with Borderlands in terms of gun In Borderlands. You have a gun that literally shoots a bunch of guns, <laughs> for example, which, uh, my, my next, I've actually, uh, just sort of behind the scenes. I've delved back into fallout 76 as I will do every once in a while. Uh, they've had a bunch of updates. Uh, one sort of interesting one right now is where uh, everything has sort of leveled to your character, which uh, is a first. Normally, you would go to sort of the starting area, and all the bad, all the baddies would be like super low level, where you could like totally ignore them, and they could basically not even hurt you. Uh, but now they're uh, they're sort of scaling with your level, which is a very very cool uh, idea, and it m makes sort of exploring more fun but also challenging but also rewarding in terms of uh, experience points so you're going to level faster just from you know traveling around and stuff uh and plus i decided to instead of build these sort of crazy intricate um camps that i don't know why this is turning into a fallout 76 talk but hey what the hell uh you know what maybe i should put that in the description mm, yeah maybe uh anyways uh instead of these like crazy intricate uh, camps i've decided to just build like a house like a like like as if someone actually just built a, a cool normal quote-unquote looking house um and I've been working on that, uh, unlocking all the various things I want to do that. So, so, uh, I've got some focus in the game and I think that's why, plus the, the seasons are here, which is kind of cool as well. I don't know. I'm, I'm having some fun again with fallout 76, uh, which I do from time to time. I, I feel like it's a game that I'm going to just leave installed and every once in a while dust it off. It's fun to play for like just a little bit, hop in, hop out. So was Doom Eternal. Ah, bringing it back. Segway, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, jumping around, flying around, just killing stuff in brutal fashion. Hey, nothing wrong with that. There is a story, and, and you know what? I did want to bring up the story. Um, I don't have notes ever on just about anything, but I, I, I do remember I wanted to mention that the lore of Doom, I feel like, would it's interesting like uh it's it, it's it's a combination of two sort of disparate things that 
uh, it's seemingly very like sort of serious and and, and, like deep. It's it's got a deep lore, I feel like. But then also, you know, this is the Doom Slayer and he's running around with chainsaws slicing demons up. Uh, So it it sort of uh, like vacillates between taking itself very seriously and then finding uh, records and and little (laughs) like Funko Pops around. It's very, very strange and I like it. So I bring it here to talk about it. Let's push another button. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Vasquez Rock Climbing. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, first I have D&D is for Nerds, Chult Season 2. Yes, uh, it finished a while ago, but uh, what I tend to do with D&D in general and uh, uh, D&D is for Nerds, the podcast, I should perhaps mention, uh, is save up like a story arc until they're all done. And then sort of listen to them, like, like plow through them like crazy. I, I find it helps uh, me sort of get engaged with it more. Uh, it, it's easier to sort of, in, in the sort of bingeable world we live in, it, it helps me to keep track of uh, characters. Although that's one thing I love of D&D is for nerds. Uh, these, these chult seasons that we've had, uh, it's just two, it's just the DM and two players, which uh, I love. I, I, I think... Three is max for me. Uh, and as soon as you get more than three, um, I, I don't know. I feel like the characters have more ability to shine, especially in a podcast. Uh, it, it just, I feel like once you get five, six, uh, I find it very difficult to uh, get engaged, to pay attention, to, to, to sort of know what's going on, who's who. Um, maybe it's my fault. <laughs> maybe it's just the, 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 the art of podcast. Uh, I, I'm not hundred percent sure, but, but this I loved and, uh, I love the, the, the DM Zamet. Uh, it does an incredible job of, uh, sort of, <laughs> it's almost like it goes back and forth between, uh, trying to kill his characters and then feeling bad when things go bad for them. So, uh, he, he, he really, he, from one moment to the next, it's almost hard to tell if he's rooting for him or not. Uh, especially with the fact that he plays, uh, I don't know if he's homebrewed this or, or, or this is a, a, a sort of option. He plays a very deadly sort of, um, like, like things definitely have consequences in his games, which is a good thing. I, and they should, that sort of play style scares me i am uh, and i've said this in games i have played in before i am a coward and my characters are often cowards because of it uh because i don't want them to die because i put uh you know a lot of thought and effort into these characters so uh, were they to die uh i wouldn't like it uh and you know what he does have one mechanic that i uh like that sort of removes that uh, instead of death um, you can have a sort of permanent, you know, disfiguration or, uh, like, like things that are not going to be good for your character, but at least it's not death. At least they can go on with, you know, say a, a face that has been mostly torn off and now you look like a hideous monster just as an example. So, uh, I, I recommend D and D is for nerds in general, 
but uh, check out the uh, the the last two Chult seasons um, because they're 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 very very cool um, and and interesting and good and fun and uh, words. Speaking of fun, oh, this is a good segue for a change. Funhouse, one true gamer. Funhouse is a YouTube channel that whenever I mention on this podcast, I do like to say one of the very few YouTube channels where I watch just about every single video they put out. I, I don't really watch the podcasts that they put out. Uh, but I do, you know, like listen to them. So, you know, there's that. Uh, uh, John Smith or John Smith. Uh, recently, uh, and, and I guess originally he streamed this, but then they edited it for YouTube, uh, a sort of game show, I, I suppose you would call it. And it was just a, a, probably a word you could use if you had to choose one, a clusterfuck. Is that two words? Probably one word, maybe a hyphenated word. I'm not sure, but it was a, a, a delight and hilarious and he was doing the character of Mr. Riddles, who was sort of running this uh, quote-unquote game show, um, and putting the players through interesting challenges. It, it wasn't all riddles. There was some uh, video games played. There was uh, it was sort of editing done on the fly, which uh, reminded me of my uh, alphabetical DM. If you were to go on YouTube and type in alphabetical DM, you could see me doing sort of uh, editing on the fly with, you know, uh, graphics and stuff like that. And, and that's what he was doing. Uh, so it was cool to see someone else do that. I, uh, not that I, I'm the only one. Tons of people do that. It, it, well, two tons of people do that. I don't know, but it's uh, interesting to see uh, someone else do it and uh, probably do it better than I did. Anyways, uh, recommend that, please, and thank you. Also, uh, Star Trek The Pod Directive. What is this? Another Star Trek podcast? Wait a second. It says here it's official. Wait a second. It says here it has Paul F. Tompkins. Wait a second. It says it has Tawny Newsome. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, uh, as I have mentioned probably way too many times on this podcast would be my, uh, sort of, uh, pinnacle, pinnacle of podcast guests. Absolute best. Tawny Newsome, not far behind. Uh, she, uh, listened to, uh, you as this racist, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, I listen to anything he is on at all times. Uh, so them together, just period, full stop, I would listen to. Then, then, you add on the fact that it is a Star Trek podcast, <laughs> what the f where they're uh, interviewing uh, uh, celebrities and uh, famous folk and, and just, you know, shooting the shit about Star Trek, about their the sort of nerdy love. I did not, you know what, to, to be honest, uh, both with Tawny and Paul, uh, I didn't even realize they were Star Trek fans. I mean, Tawny, to some degree, I, I had a feeling, just the fact that she's on a Star Trek show right now, which uh, I've spoken of very highly on this very podcast, uh, that would be Star Trek Lower Decks. She voices the main character on that. Um, yeah, uh, listen to the first episode. Uh, I'm one episode in, you could say. Uh, it was with Ben Stiller, uh, who similarly uh, did not realize was such a huge Star Trek fan. Um, and really, all it is is combining so many of my loves. Podcasts, Paul F., Tani, Ben Stiller, sure, I'm a fan, and Star Trek, and people just sitting and talking about something they love, and if that thing that they love is something that I also love, Jesus Christ, it's a win-win, win-win-win, 
easy six out of five loved it so far my only complaint is that it sounds like there's only going to be you know like eight episodes something like that maybe it was like did they i don't think it was like yeah i think it was over zoom i'm pretty sure it sounded like it was um I don't mean in terms of audio. I mean, in terms of, I think at one point Ben Stiller like got up and got something to show them. Um, yeah. So, uh, maybe there'll be more. The fact that it's official is interesting. Um, but also sort of worrisome in that if it's official and the episodes don't get a crap ton of listens, uh, maybe they would, uh, no longer pay, uh, paid to have it done because presumably Paul and Tani are getting paid to do it. Uh, anyways, uh, get it while it's there. Let's just say that because it's uh, it, it's a goddamn delight. Definitely going into the listening rotation. Last but not least, some sad. Yeah, let's end on a sad note, I guess. Sneak attack. Uh, sneak attack. Another. D&D podcast. I actually wasn't going to uh, mention it in this episode until I saw the announcement uh, because it was yesterday from my perspective which will give you some idea of how (laughs) far ahead I have these recorded. I have some episodes in the can as they say. Uh, Yeah, uh, Sneak Attack, a podcast of the D&D actual play variety that I've spoken of very highly on this podcast innumerable times uh, is no more sadly uh, the, uh, the 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 hosts and creators and 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 players and DM or whatever you want to call the people involved have uh, decided that uh, they're not going to come back and uh, polish off the rest of season two that they are now in they are however I should say uh, going to continue on uh, and, and sort of wrap up that arc in the form of a graphic novel. So that's interesting. I'll make sure to make a note to, to sort of check that out. Uh, it, it was seemingly, well, it definitely sort of spurned on by COVID and the fact that uh, they did play together in the same room. And when that became not possible, uh, right away they made the decision that they weren't going to, uh, they weren't going to play online like via Zoom or whatever. Uh, uh, Discord, that would be an option. Um, they decided they didn't want to do it that route, which, you know, I, I, I could see that. If you have a sort of artistic vision that you think would be lessened by having to do something a different way and you decide not to do it that way, you know, I, I could have some respect for that. Uh, so they did some, uh, you know, sort of filler episodes, you could call them quarantine content is what they called them. Uh, and, and in this last one and sort of, uh, on, the, on their Twitter and, and, and stuff, they, they announced that they would be stopping with that and stopping with the, uh, the episodes. So even should one day COVID go away and they're able to play again, uh, that's sort of, that's that let's say, which is very, very sad news. Uh, um, they, they, they seemed, you know, not, not sad. Well, I guess they did seem a little sad about it. Uh, and one thing they did, which again, I got to throw some respect to that. Um, uh, it sounds like maybe there was a little debate of, uh, should we say that maybe one day we'll come back? Uh, and, uh, uh, they decided against that. They, they didn't want to get people's hopes up. They said, no, this is, this is basically it. Uh, we don't want to get your hopes up with the, the maybe that we'll be back. So, you know what, I'll, I'll just say to that, if they do, 
it would just be, you know, a, a very pleasant surprise. So, uh, uh, goodbye to sneak attack. <laughs> First thing I did was went and, uh, uh, downloaded all the episodes from the season one arc. <laughs> so, uh, I, I think my, my plan is with this sad news is to lessen it is to start from the beginning and re-listen to all 150, whatever episodes it is of, uh, of season one, quote unquote. Uh, and I recommend you do the same. So there folks, we did it. We made it to the end. Yeah, that was a, that was an episode. Uh, what do I say at the end of every episode? What I'm going to say at the end of this episode, which is it's nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean, but you can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper